Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 117. Now, working with other makers that have complementary skill sets to your own is a great way to learn new skills and to grow your business. And we're not just talking about content creators here either. As a product maker, collaborations can take different forms like working with designers or artists. And we're going to talk about some ways that we've collaborated in the past and also give you some ideas on how you can get started if you're looking to do your first collaboration. But before we get into it, we do want to thank a few new members that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week. We had Luke Wilson and Robert Noble. Thank you, guys. Uh, If you want to support the show and get some awesome rewards, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. John. Brad. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I am well. Thank you for asking. Uh, (laughs) So today's topic comes to light because... One, we've been getting uh, a little couple questions, but but more on the other side of things is a lot of requests for um, collaborations, right? And and uh, it happens to be a kind of a topic that's a, that's a little gray, a little fuzzy. We've talked about it a little bit on the after show for those are of our patrons that listen. Um, we do we we vibed on that for a bit, and Brad and I have done some collaborative stuff. And uh, you know, with the the fall coming up, we know uh, Jimmy's having a huge event um, up in the Catskills for makers to come and make things as makers do. And um, (laughs) and then there's a couple other private things that'll be a little bit more uh, internal um, for me and you that, that have popped up here. And we just wanted to vibe on it a bit because it is such an interesting topic. And, um, and, and I love how we started the show by, by mentioning that it's not just a content creation type collaboration because uh, I'm in a unique situation here in, in my shop here in Pittsburgh where another um, another maker or a shop has moved in across the street and they do industrial um, installation type uh, furniture and they're, they do, they're excellent craftsmen um, do some really quality work. And we've actually been spinning on collaborating for something a little more brick and mortar as well. So I wanted to dive into this a little bit on the show here, talk to you guys about our experiences in collaborating, give you some do's, give you some don'ts, a lot of don'ts. A lot of, a lot of <laughs> mostly because I'm in a negative mood today. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, and 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 just kind of like gauge perspective as well as give perspective on the concept of a collab. And and I think to start out, maybe let's vibe on YouTube first. Um, yeah, because I think that's where most people know about, yeah. have heard and seen that that that's kind of the the front, the forefront and visual. And and if you've listened to any. You know, YouTube training, they've probably said, hey, collaborations are a great way to grow your channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go collaborate. You know, I literally get go. that uh, pop up on my feed like daily. Yeah, go go find Mr. Beast and do a yeah, collab with like, him. And go collab because that's possible, be right? And so <laughs> I think one of the interesting aspects of that is that, you know, I, I've gotten a couple people reached out to collab and, and, I, and I love the concept of collaboration. I'm a big team player. I love doing things with other people. I love teaching in person. I love, um, being able to see someone else's workflow. And I think there's a lot of fun of it. When Brad and I were, Brad and I did a collab, I was down in Nashville 
um, for some personal stuff. And I popped in his house uh, for a couple of days and we made some cornhole boards, ladder golf. And, and it was it was just fun to be able to work together. And, and I think it was enjoyable because we do so much work non-physically in the same room together and that it was enjoyable. But on the other side of things, you know, we we definitely didn't do a good enough job of deciding uh, what we should make um, and, and, and how we could yeah. benefit from each other's followings. And in that, what I mean is uh, some of the important aspects of collaborating, especially in content creation, you need to be considering is that is the other individual you're trying to collaborate with in the same vertical as you are. And, and so, you know, Brad and I are very much in the DIY, the how to space, obviously. And with that, you know, do we have overlapping audiences? Well, data, we, we can't really track that unless unless we got some crazy metrics or someone gave us a report or something. But in the same light, how much benefit do you get from working with somebody who's doing the same thing as you uh, as far as trying to build an audience compared to our buddy Johnny Brook, for instance, who has done multiple collaborations outside of the maker community and pulled a ton of new eyeballs into his yeah. uh, onto his channel. And so you got to be considering things that way, as well as what tends to happen in our vertical is uh, making it project based compared to the relationship base. And, and in a collaboration of uh, something that's one video or one off, obviously it has to be focused on the project. Um, so first thing we're going to kind of mention to consider if you want to get into doing a collaboration as far as content goes is that how much benefit do you get from the the the, the casting of your net onto another person's audience. You know, if you have a ton of overlap, you're not going to pull a ton of new followers or eyeballs or anything like that. But if it's like, you know, barely, barely something, you know, you're stretching for, there's potential there that you could definitely bring in new eyes. And and going back to Johnny, Johnny did some cool, uh, he's done some cool bike projects, some van projects, and they really popped off and helped his channel. Um, and, and I think that it was because he had the, he had the foresight to realize, you know, if I go and work with someone who's doing, you know, DIYing some stuff um, that's not seen in the DIY space that they could get all the people that watch their DIY content, say in the bike community to come over and check out a DIYers channel or, and learn some things. And, and I, and it was huge. I mean, he's got his van tr- uh, conversion for, for bikes, a couple million views. He did a ramp, right? Yeah. And did a little kicker ramp and cutting board, little combo. Uh, he even did, he, he did one where he was on, their channel mm-hmm. uh and it wasn't on his with the um that super huge channel i forget what they're called crank uh something uh and and there he he made a mantle for them and mm. they're like a they're like a slime channel they start, i forget what the heck their name is but anyway uh but they're there in in Asheville. so i think like you know what you're getting at an interesting thing john because i i think that it depends upon right like when we collabed i think that we were probably very similar in size too. So that's an even closer overlap, right? So like if you're going to collab and, you know, if you have a a buddy who has a way larger following than you do, or the other way around, if you have somebody that has much less, like having them on their channel is going to help, right? Because it doesn't even, let's say if somebody's got 100,000 and somebody's got 10,000, even if you have all 10,000 of their subscribers, well, guess what? They don't have 90 of yours. So, yeah. you know, there, there's two ways to that. One is if there's a disparity in the channel sizes, obviously it's going to help the, the person lower. They're going to have a better shot at that. But I, I like where you're going better, though, John, across verticals, because that's where it's almost all, it could be all net new. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did, actually, I went and, and watched some of 
or read some of the comments in Johnny's videos. I remember doing it uh, on the the biking one, and it was really interesting to see a lot of the comments about like, oh man, like I, I have no idea like that your channel existed. And there's just a ton of comments where people are being, that were saying like, wow, I'm really glad I found you because like you make super cool stuff. Like I, I went and watched more of your videos and it's awesome. Um, and that's what you're trying to get after. Right. And so when you're, when you're looking at collaborations, like actually some of the folks, um, like I know Evan and Caitlin did one with Alex Steele, like, you know, Alex and yeah. the metalworking. Oh, when, when Alex so like, did uh, the Samurai Carpenter collab. I found, yes. that's how I found out who Alec was. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. That he made that huge chisel for him. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so like going across, especially into making. So that's like the perfect example, right? Metalworking to woodworking, because, um, you know, people that are interested in seeing things handmade, you know, have more propensity probably to want to see other things in a different medium. Yeah. So whether it's metalworking or it's, you know, it could be anything, leatherworking, crafting, <clears throat> things like that. Uh, that would be a great place to start. But then you've got some other things like, John, I know you've not necessarily done, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but you've not done um, YouTube collaboration, but I know you've collabed also with some like food people, like doing, you know, helping them out on uh, whatever it is. Uh, or maybe that wasn't you. Was that not you? He's giving me a weird look like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I ate that was my food. other, sorry, that was my other podcast. I, was, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I think I was, uh, oh, no, the I was thinking of the kitchen table. Sorry, the kitchen table that you did. I was going to hit to that with the, the kitchen guys. They, they had the big Instagram channel. It wasn't on YouTube. Yes. No. So I it was a uh, kitchens of Instagram um, yes, reached out and they you. were like, hey, we need a custom table done. You know, would you be willing to work together? Blah, blah, blah. I did the table for them. They sent it over, picked up a couple thousand subscribers or followers on Instagram. Worked out great. Why? Well, it's a tangential vertical that people who are interested in making things are potentially interested in kitchens and um, their focus is solely on resharing and promoting, you know, beautiful kitchens and kitchen transformations and such. Um, nice guys on the channel. They paid me for the table uh, and bada boom. Like it was it was very cut and dry and, and super easy. Um, and you could see how, like, for instance, if I went to, you know, Treg over at Urban Timber and I was like, hey, bro, let's do a collab. We'd literally make the same thing. Like <laughs> there'd be right. there'd, all that would be happening would just be general awareness of making, you know, live edge and metal based tables uh, together. But, you know, that's something that now having hindsight that if when Brad and I were together um, and this, I think this may have been before you had the welders or regardless, you didn't have your welding set up uh, yet. Right. Like yeah, that would have, have been a much better that. collaboration being that I do have like a, a decent chunk of, you know, people that like industrial furniture that follow my channel that if Brad and I were to do a collab, say, and we were to do it metal focused, that it could have pulled some more people from my channel over to Brad's um, and vice right. versa, you know, so and vice versa. If we did, you know, if I had if we did an epoxy build on yours after I had done my or epoxy waterfall, a, right? Cleaned a swing set. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, so, but <laughs> in a swing set together. we did. A, so we did you a know? cornhole set and it was a good project. Like we had a plan to yeah. it. Uh, the reason being is that I have a. Uh, I have a pretty solid video on making cornhole boards on my channel from the early days. And you didn't have any, but I believe you had a blog post or something like that. And we wanted to, and I had a plan. So I just sent it over. We boom through it. It's free. You could download it. Um, and, and yep. it's a good solid piece of content on your channel. And I think it fits your audience. Great. It was, and it was fun. And we were one and then two, well, you have the cornhole boards, you know, for you and the yeah, boys. And exactly. So let's, let's be, let's be super transparent and honest here. Right. John's like, yo, I'm coming down to Nashville, like hang out with some bros. Like I've got a couple days. I'm like, absolutely. Let's do this. And then like, 
like as he's flying down, he's like type like, hey, what are we going to make? <laughs> like we did. Yeah, because I mean, did I almost was zero like, planning. Dude, I'll come down two days early. And he was like, yeah, sure. You could stay with and, I'll, and then. Yeah. We, yeah. And then we just <laughs> like that. So that that's probably the first learning lesson. Right. Is like if you're going to do a collab, make sure uh, one and maybe it's the second. Right. So the first is like define your audience. Who do you want to find? Uh, and does it make sense? Is there a good new audience or are you going to learn a new skill set? So just because, you know, like it would be great. Like if I went over and did a collab with Katz Moses and I was like, yo dude, and actually, and, uh, who was it? Somebody just did a collab. Um, who was it? It was, um, it was, uh, our, our, our pals. It was, um, gosh, I'm blanking. That really, out. Sorry. That, that's really bad. I know. No, it was, pals. it was Alicia. It was Alicia. Oh from yeah. The Alicia Attic and Sam. Sam. And yeah, they, they, they did a from DIY mm, Huntress and they were cutting dovetail. Yeah. Who was that with? I forgot. Was it with, Cats or was it with somebody else? No, it was I th- I th- someone. That I'm not. I think I'm they not, were using. I don't know him. Yeah, I think they were using the jig. Sean Boyd. I can't remember. They're using the Cats Moses jig. That's why I remember. But um, anyway, they learned a new skill set, right? So as they went out there, that was a great collab for yeah. them to go out and they learned uh, and they both got a video out of how to cut new dovetails. So even though you're in the same vertical, as somebody, if you know you're only making uh, slab furniture and you want to learn how to do some hand cut joinery. You know, maybe you go out and do a collab with somebody and then you teach somebody how to do a slab and metal base and they teach you how to do hand cut dovetails. Yeah. Right. And, and that would be a, a great way to collab and use that as a learning session. Exactly. But the, but what we want to emphasize is that don't just show the other person, like show the journey for yourself. And I think that's what's kind of important to a collab. And like, for instance, Right after we did the cornhole boards, I think a month and a half later, you and I went out to Joshua Tree. We were visiting Ben Ueda and Mike Montgomery and, and Jesse and hanging out. And uh, Mike had an amazing project idea doing an epoxy and wood coffee table. Uh, he was using resin. He was using cookies. He literally looked at me and Brad. He goes, I know you've done a resin table. And John, I know how you, you know how to flatten cookies. And we were like, yeah. Meanwhile, Brad and I had like... <laughs> no foresight to the projects we were going to do. I did like, right. I did like a chair and Brad did a table and we're like, dude, these are awesome. They're going to crush, you know, we're, we're, we're doing it all uh, modern build style. And we kind of dropped the ball on allowing the collaboration to tell the story of why we're collaborating with the other individuals. And in that, you know, Mike's video is almost, it's at three quarters of a million views and ours are there <laughs> not and, but so mike did a great job of seeing that he had not only a metal worker and someone who works with slabs and cookies like myself and then someone like brad who has experience pouring epoxy into a table and then using those to shine a new light on his channel um you know it was just a it, and that's why mike's that's why mike's got over a million subscribers he has a great concept of what brings value to his audience and i think you need to realize that when you're doing a collab like don't just do collabs to do them Make sure that you have intent or or if you want to just do collabs to do them, take the intent of doing them and put something behind it. Right. You know, uh, I love that example of learning how to do your first dovetail. And I love that example of like learning new skills within whatever your vertical might be, Um, because there's a lot of value to add there, too. And and none of us have every skill set possible. And, you know, some of us are some of us are very comparable. And there's some of us like like myself and myself and Johnny Brook and a few of us that can almost build like the same exact things together that collaborating, it'd be like, well, you know, what's new about this? Like what makes this collab special? And, uh, and then Mike on the other hand is, you know, he, his shop is like, it's like four tools in a garage. And I was out there like, how am I even supposed to work here? You know, I've got, 
I've got everything and this is, and, and, and so it was a challenge for me, but he had the foresight to, to realize that we could bring value to his audience by showing off some of the skills that we have shown on our channel with resin, with metal and with slabs. And he, and he executed on it very, very well. When you and I, on the other side of it, just built things with available tools together and helped each other right. out and didn't look at it and go, huh, what are the skills that their audiences could bring to our channels um, and vice versa? When, you know, you and I should have done something with epoxy for sure while we were out there um, right. and definitely should have done something with, uh, you know, th that was a little more in line with, uh, I guess, my audience converting to your audience and yours converting to mine and vice versa. Well, and I, I think that's a great example because um, that when you did it uh, and I like I remember this, I think that's that's. I've definitely yours, yours more so than mine is like that. You're very much like, just get it done. Yeah. Right. Like you and get in there, you get, you get a thought creators, right? in your head and then you just run. Yeah, I was out and there I at remember, six like, in the morning. Like, right. And you made like, you designed something and basically you like, you did one of your builds there. Yes. Right. Like you didn't, like you really didn't have well, no, us then collab you, I mean, so a little bit on the design. Yeah. You hopped on the chair slats, I think helped me like, sand I, yeah, them and, like and I was like, yeah, exactly. I was like sanding them, but like you made all, all that. Right. So I think that's part of that going back to it is like, make sure you're doing some planning because, mm -hmm. uh, like I think mine was decent because, uh, because I had you on mine, John, and I learned, you know, we got to weld bar stock, solid bar stock and, I was cutting yeah. really like acute angles and stuff. And, and but we so didn't I have learned a lot on that. Physically. Like our intention but we didn't. was like, you know, Brad designed this thing and I was going to like hold some stuff and help him weld. And, but then we ended up running into issues to where I could be like, Oh, but yeah, right. I mean, it was, we it had, came out nicely, we just, but we it's just uh, poorly planned that. Exactly. So that, that's definitely going to be the, the, a big thing is as you're doing this collaboration, um, make sure that, you act more like Mike than you do like John and I. Yeah, have some <laughs> yeah. intent, have a concept of what you can see. So always be thinking about adding value, right? Whether it's to your audience or theirs, what differentiation points does your brand have compared to the others? And then bring those to the collaboration, right? So like uh, for, for Brad and myself, if we were to do another collaboration, it would probably involve something like, <clears throat> you know, I would 100% do a shop build with Brad in my shop showing my audience how to make like the very um, sturdy and rugged shop projects that Brad is becoming very well known for and then putting my spin on them, right? And doing a little bit of a twist to maybe make it look a different, a little bit different, but then like focusing on things that you focus on like quality joinery, uh, Baltic birch plywood, all of the little tips and tricks you can do to get it done. And then using your expertise to help my audience, not so much just me making something and you helping me. Um, and so right. understand that concept when you go into planning a collaboration, especially for content sake, uh, because because it can it could feel way different when you're doing it. Right. And then but when you put the content out there, it's it's something totally not anywhere close to what you expected. And you can really drop the ball and lose out on a great opportunity to to help you grow. Yeah, absolutely. And, so that's, and I, I, a quick retraction. Uh, I was totally I, I'm like getting so confused uh, because Alicia and Sam went to Philadelphia with Eric Curtis yes. to learn how to cut dovetails. They, I cannot confirm or deny that they used a Katz Moses dovetail jig. Actually, I don't think they did because I don't think Eric uses that. Uh, but maybe he does. I don't know. And But they also went out west and worked with Chris Salamone. That's why I was yeah. getting mixed up and thinking West Coast and, th and thinking, yeah, all the collabs. So many collabs going on. So Lots of people doing awesome collabs. And then Eric went out to the West Coast to work with April and Anne. Yeah, yeah. 
and of all trades. And so exactly. So like people are collaborating, like you, you see it over Instagram, you see it over YouTube. Um, like that is absolutely the most, you know, the, the most popular way that people are doing it. But let's, let's kind of jump back over the cross vertical and going on the product side. Cause I think that, yeah. uh, we should hit into that. Cause I think there's a lot of benefit there where people can either, you know, get similar skill sets or complementary skill sets and make their businesses better. Yeah. So, uh, crossing verticals when it comes to, um, actually making product, I think is one of the most brilliant ways to quickly add value to a small business when it comes to making and manufacturing things. Excuse me. So for instance, there's, there's, there's companies with capabilities and infrastructure to create things that a lot of us will never be able to do. For instance, CNC plasma, uh, you know, metal cutting tubing. If you, uh, you, all of us have probably seen the viral videos on Instagram of the tube plasma CNC that cuts like crazy complex shapes into tubes. Like none of us will ever be able to afford that machine. None of us will ever be able to afford a water jet. I take that back. Bob has a water jet, but like, yes, the Wazer. but like uh, you can kind of see in that context, how uh, collaboration with another business that has it just, they literally have capabilities that you don't have could easily add value to your business without you having to do much more work. Now you're going to have to pay for it, but uh, there's definitely opportunity there. And this is kind of how I started out doing metal and wood furniture. I had, uh, you know, rest in peace. My buddy tank, uh, could weld like a, a nobody's business and lightning fast. And he was so fast and efficient that his pricing was phenomenal. And I was still able to make a markup on it. And we both were winning. Like I, I, I never once questioned a price he gave me. It was extremely high quality. I could send him a basic sketch and get a beautiful product back within five days or something crazy like that. So what I started to do is pitch that to clients. And like I put what, what I've said this multiple times on the show, on the show, you put something out there in content when people see it, they're going to want it and they're going to come back with inquire and you're going to stimulate the inquiries towards the type of things uh, that you're posting. And so I put out a couple metal table wood tables with metal bases and boom, inquiries just start coming in. Well, I don't even know a welder. I couldn't weld three or four years ago. I went straight to my buddy who could do it. And we started collaborating on design. We started collaborating on, 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 on workflow and concept and capabilities. And it ended up I ended up doing, you know, a lot of metal and wood stuff early on before I could even weld because I was willing to go out on a limb and, and use the capabilities of another individual who could bring a collaborative effort towards my product line and take that concept too and flip it to something that say maybe is in, um, you know, CNC or in plastics or in glass. And now your brain gets thinking on like, wow, just because I physically can't make the thing in my own shop doesn't necessarily mean I can't sell it. If you think about a lot of sales and, and a lot of business across the planet, um, it's all it's all distribution uh, for the most part. There's very seldom that you're getting in-house manufacturing anymore, um, and it happens to be one of the one of the perils of business, as well as like one of the things that brings price down dramatically. So, if you think about it from a distribution standpoint, like there's nothing wrong with with calling up a, a CNC shop down the street and having them hand or, excuse me cut out a bunch of lettering for a sign inquiry you got compared to you doing it by hand, thinking you're going to save some money in order to get a higher quality product and be able to do it faster. So, you know, my, uh, my whole idea behind collaborating as far as product goes is, is, is keep it in line with what you're already doing and add kind of like we've touched on before, Brad, like small pivots to add value to your existing product at first. 
I wouldn't say go crazy over the top with things because then you can go down very costly rabbit holes and really put yourself in a pickle. But if you're doing some stuff with wood and you want to add a little metal, like, and you can't do it yourself, find someone who can around you in your area. Right. And then bring some value to that experience, right? You know, do you have exactly? And that's what I, was, and, I want to jump on exactly is that that point is that what takes it, what gets it to be more collaborative versus a just a subcontracting is exactly what John was just saying. Like, you know, you being able to add value back to them, uh, whether it's like, hey, you know, I'd love to do that. We can, uh, you know, I want to highlight you on social, but also like bringing them in on the design effort. So it's not yeah. just like, hey, you give them a spec and they make it like that's not a collaboration. That's just straight up subcontracting. Right. But when you go in and you have a conversation about what it is and like, hey, I'd love to get your input, then it becomes more collaborative when the other party is, you know, giving as well. Uh, and the same type thing, if you really wanted to help them out with social, like, you know, and maybe that's a thing that, that you do, you got there and maybe you can get a better pricing with working with somebody because you can say, you know, the whole idea of a collaborative effort is collaboration is both parties are bringing something to the table. So if you don't have the skills, you know, you can't do a laser jet and you're like, well, what can I bring to them? Well, if you've got a larger social following to them, you can give them press and give them mm -hmm. highlight and open the eyes of local makers that, hey, you can use this guy for subcontracting. So that might be of value to them, right? And maybe they give you a discount or maybe they give you some samples or whatever it is that, uh, you know, don't limit it to just, oh, I'm making a project with somebody like, no, you can do this like in a business relationship too. And the collaborative effort is more of the fact of what are you going to bring to the table uh, versus just asking somebody to subcontract something for you. Yes. And so in that, you know, uh, don't be afraid in a collaborative in a collaborative effort to offer up your exposure if you happen to have more than the other person in the collab. For instance, if you're, you know, going to be putting out a couple pieces of furniture that you're working in conjunction with the other individual, having them incorporated in the branding of that those pieces of furniture is a, is a value add for both sides of the business. And, and something that you can bring to the table that's not necessarily monetary, right? So, um, you know, look at things. I, I love what you were just saying there, Brad. And, and I think that there's a, a ton of opportunity to be gained from those things. Um, and, and if you can get your brain wrapped around the fact that you don't actually have to make every little detailed aspect of what you're doing all the time in order to get a more creative, diversified, and differentiated portfolio of product, then you can really start stimulating um, the creative juices and, and starting to do some stuff that, that that potentially your competition or other people that you're are in your area aren't doing uh, because they think they have to keep it all integrated. I had an interesting conversation with a <laughs> with a cabinet maker in our area once, and um, I was asking him about you know I think it was drawer boxes and finishing on his cabinets, and he he said to me he's like you know we, uh, we like to keep everything we do 100% absolutely in house, and I was like oh how's that going for your top end? And your bottom line. And he was like, well, you know, it takes us a lot longer and we don't make as much money on it because every pro cabinet shop in the country buys their drawer boxes. <laughs> but he was making his. And I was like, well, why are you doing that? And he's like, I feel like it gives the customer a better experience. I was like, do you make better drawer boxes than the other people? And he's like, no. And I was like, well, then why don't you source your drawer boxes and put more time and effort into making the design and the functionality of the Trim kitchen and the molding and, yeah. and, and more and, and better and put your time and effort there. And then uh, and, and then make that the addition because the drawer box is a drawer box, right? You're gonna get a half blind dovetailed drawer box, regardless of where right. you go from most places. And then if you could put, you know, laser etching or whatever, blah blah. And he was like, "That's a good point." He started doing it, and he was like, "Dude, I thank you for getting my mind out of that because because we all do get caught up in the fact that like you think you have to make every little aspect of what you're doing 
when when in 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 reality a lot of people are paying for the experience and the execution on their idea with you and they don't actually care if you're the person with their hands on it um, or they would not let you have employees in some context right like you know like Sam Maloof was selling Sam Maloof rockers with four other guys working in the shop do you think that the people paying $14,000 for a rocking chair cared if Sam made every little detail and part well no they just wanted Sam's design on a rocker and the fact that he had employees in the shop working on parts um, it didn't matter at all. It was still the same quality product. So uh, I think that's another way to go about thinking about things is that, you know, how can you collaborate with businesses around you in order to add, you know, differentiation points or or value to whatever your customer experience is and think about it in that context uh, and, and then let yourself be in the best role you possibly can. Um, another part that I, I want to is, you know, going from like product lines, I think uh, as being, I guess, completely integrated into what you're already doing is like moving on to going outside of what you're already doing. Right. And, and creating uh, sort of collaborations with designers and builders and, and engineers and architects um, because those are going to be the really crazy wild type of collaborations that aren't just going to fall into your lap. Like I, I know for a fact in the city that I live in, in most big cities that like, all of the all the big ticket items are coming trickle down from the architects and the engineers on projects like I'm not going to get a conference table in any of the big jobs happening here in Pittsburgh because um, the owner of the business is calling me. It's coming from an architect, a designer or an architect um, and creating and building those relationships, I think, is a good opportunity. So, um, you know, one way I like to do that is go out on a limb and reach out. Hey, I'm so and so I am, you know, I'm fat and stupid, but I'd love to meet and grab a coffee and you know, from there, create a conversation. What can I add value to your your customer experience or or your showroom or whatever it might be? And then kind of go from there and, and then try and then constantly stimulating that interaction to where that you're on their top of mind in order to get to. Yeah. Being and there's so much the person they're calling. To be that person that they call. Like you're on the speed dial, right? You know, whenever they need a metal and wood base Hell for yeah. the project, they're like, oh, we need a 14 foot metal Conference table? Yeah, I got to go. Because there's designers and, uh, and architects that are so much more creative than like me. Right? right. And that's, again, back to the collaboration piece of it. I mean, you know, that is getting to more straight up a uh, business relationship. But at the same time, I think that there's some learning there. Like you just said, John, like if, if you're working with an architect or a designer that's like has some ideas of what they want to make. Well, guess what? You're, you're going to learn out of that, too, because it is probably going to be, you know, more creative and, and outside of your wheelhouse than what you've done. So that is a, a great way to do it. But I want to talk yeah. a little bit about, you know, what what they're what they should look for in those relationships, too, because I, I, I don't think and I, we kind of hit on it here on the product side. Like, definitely, I, I wouldn't recommend going in and being like asking for discounts or anything for free because like of your social following to be like, oh, yeah, I've, I've, I, you know, because like we always we get that on the backside too. like, oh, I'll give you exposure. Like, right, that's like the Facebook guys who want to repost our videos. I'll give you exposure. It's like, well, you're, like no. you're not, I want, I want money. Like, <laughs> money pays, keeps my lights on. Right. So when you're collaborating uh, with somebody professionally, even if you are bringing something to the table, never, you know, undervalue them or try to, and I know like a lot of creatives like graphic designers or people like that, uh, musicians, uh, photographers get try to get uh, people try to take advantage of them. They say, Hey, Oh yeah. Like if you could take the photos, you know, that, that'd be awesome. And I'll, I'll shout you out. Like that's, that's not a collaboration. That's just you chilling for free stuff. And that's not cool. Um, you know, you, you have to make sure that when you go to the, to the party, uh, if you are 
even bringing up the idea of a discount or something that you're giving them, you know, something that is at least that valuable and truly that valuable because just shouting out an architect on my channel would do nothing for them, right? Like they're not going to get, because they're looking for, you know, companies who are going to pay them millions of dollars to design tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollar buildings, right? They don't um, care. How it's a completely different they don't thing. They care about another hundred followers on Instagram when you're doing business in that size. Right. So you have to be, you have to be aware of, uh, you know, who you're dealing with and what do they value? And that might be a great way as you go in there and be like, you know, Hey, what, what can I do for you? Like John said, you know, the flip side of that, if you're approaching somebody say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm really interested in, in working in some high end furniture. Um, you know, what do you need? How, what can I do for you other than just giving you yeah. a table? So like where are the, you know, trying discovering some pain points in those situations or trying to see like if there's bottlenecks or any type of issue within their their existing workflow. Don't try to add anything new in, in, in my experience. Don't try to add anything new. Go in and try to add to what's existing for them. For instance, I work with a designer very closely. She was sourcing a lot of her slab furniture out of Spain. Um, so one, what that does is it creates a huge lead time in order to get any product into her client's home. And then two, um, they are able to undercut the market because of volume um, and she's not getting things that are customer specific. So I was able to go in and we now collaborate on a lot of designs in which we'll do, you know, if, if you guys follow my, you guys follow my stuff. So uh, you understand that I like to like eccentricate the base when I'm building something. I don't always just like the top to be crazy. Uh, I do like to try and do uh, unique things to the base and, and whether that's putting a spin on the material type or some type of the design, I can do that in a collaborative effort because I went in to fill a pain point or a bottleneck in her her existing business, and now I'm her guy, right? She's calling me for everything, and I'm actually turning stuff down because I can't, I don't have time for it. But it's always a collaborative effort, and so approaching it with the the mindset that's like, I'm not going to come in here and sell you on what I can do uh, right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna add value to what you're already doing by by collaborating, you know, I, and and. Hey, have you been looking to do anything custom in which you wanted to, you know, metal and wood furniture? Or are you looking for slab tops and metal bases? And and I think it's kind of interesting when you go into it with that mindset that something might not come immediately, but down the line, they're thinking of you because you've gone out on a limb and and you've done it with the uh with, with the you know approach of wanting to make what they're doing better, not solely just trying to take something for yourself. And I and I think that, yeah. that works out much more favorably almost all, all the time. I completely agree. And speaking of taking something for yourself, uh, how about taking the America's fastest weld grinder? Because that's what uh, we want to take a quick minute to talk about our sponsor for today, 3M. They're looking for the fastest weld grinder in America, and they want you to prove it because they're looking for 12 metal workers to go head to head in the second annual 3M Clash of the Grinders at this year's Fabtech in Chicago, uh, November 11th to 14th. And yeah, I've been talking about it for probably the last 25 minutes about using metalwork. And we all know grinding welds is part of that job. Um, it's not very fun. I love 3M products uh, and, and it makes it fast and fun. And they're going to be doing that down at Fabtech. So you could test your skills against other metalworkers from across the country. Uh, find out who's the fastest. And being the fastest grinder in America sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> it does. But here's how it works. So you go over to 3m.com forward slash pod clash, as in podcast. 
Uh, to enter, 12 grinders will be chosen to compete in the grind-off, and you're going to be taking down three four-inch welds, one with a fiber disc, one with a grinding wheel, and one with a flap disc. Yeah, whoever does it the fastest wins the grand prize package, including a beautiful speed glass welding helmet and a 3M Cubitron 2 grinding wheel and disc package set. Um, and not to mention, like I said, those cool bragging rights of being the fastest grinder in America. You got it. So if you want to see if you got what it takes, head over to 3M.com forward slash podclash. And that is uh, P-O-D-C-L-A-S-H. And you can sign up to do that. So this will uh, this will be the last time we'll be talking about that because it's coming up very soon. So make sure if you're interested to head on over to that site. And thank you to 3M for sponsoring today's episode. Yeah. And um, so, you know, continuing on down the line and conversation of collaboration. And I think uh, whether that might be with someone in your local area, designers, architects, whatever that might be, you know, you're going into these situations, you're adding value um, and you're bringing skills that they potentially may not use. Um, Don't forget to go deeper into your process sometimes and look at like skills that may potentially not be on the surface. For instance, a lot of us are pretty adept at using something like SketchUp or a 3D modeling program and creating renderings and such. I get, I get, it's spammy to me because I, I know how to use it, but I get hit up all the time by companies that are looking to create 3D renderings and modelings and, and, and decks and whatnot for my products, um, uh, for me for a price and for a budget. Now that's not very collaborative, but you could see how that skill set could definitely be collaborative. And it takes you from potentially being local to kind of starting to branch out from, from your existing area, right? Um, and so when, you know, Brad and I were talking about YouTube collabs earlier, we were obviously like, you know, he's in Nashville, I'm in Pittsburgh for us to collab, got to physically go, you know, on a plane ride or drive, drive, drive old blue up here and whatever it might be. So I think using a digital skill set or a, a skill set that might be behind the scenes, like, let's be honest, made for profit. This is a collaborative effort We're we're long, we're long distance relationship, this thing, but it's possible and it's doable. And so don't necessarily close your mind off to being outside of your local area um, because there's tons of opportunity out there for for using skill sets that you have that may not physically actually need to be in in that space or or, or with that individual. Yeah, you could collaborate on that design, shoot it back and forth. And uh, even I think we talked about it. So like we mentioned at the top of the show, we've had several after show questions about collaborations um, that one of the things I threw out there was you could actually even do a video collaboration, you know, long distance. And, and I think it could be kind of fun and funny, like to make it have, you know, like show parts of you Skyping and talking back and forth and then like have somebody film something at their shop and then they send it to you. Like, you know, I, I throw something off screen to the right and then it comes in John's screen from the left. Right. And and he's like mm-hmm. catching it. It's like, Oh, Brad, thanks. You know, like there's, there's plenty of ways you could do that without traveling, but I'm totally with John that, uh, you know, don't be afraid to travel because, uh, some of those times. So I've had, I've had, I think I've done four collabs. I had, we did that one together. We did the, the Joshua tree with Ben and Mike and Jesse. I had Johnny out and I had, uh, I had DIY Pete out and all of those. So three of those were at my shop, but I, I did travel for one. And those were, they were all great learning experiences from, I learned something about uh, a process from all of them, whether it was video filming or the actual making. Um, and I think that's a thing, especially for content creation. When you go, because content creation for most of us is like, 
not second nature. This is like something we're trying to learn and seeing how other people set up and film and just take shots and, and just like talking to them about like, what do like, what, why are you using like John? I remember like when you came over, I was like, dude, you, it's like, you, you just have auto ISO. You're like, yeah, I, or I just, I just crank my ISO to like a million if it's too bright. And I'm like, dude, don't ever do that. Or, you know, yes. Don't do that here. It's like, here's, you know, lock this and try this. And you're like, oh, and I was like, oh, how, like, how are you getting these zoom in shots? You're like, dude, I just grab it and go. And I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to like figure out how to like gimbal up something. You're like, dude, I just grab it, like put on my hip and just run with it. And here's, you know, because, uh, you know, especially in a lot of your earlier stuff, like you were have, doing a bunch of crazy shots, you know, well before you had Sam and you're, you were doing a lot of dynamic shots. And I was like, how are you thinking of these things? You're like, I don't know. I just kind of get somewhere. Then I like look at all the regular spots and I go somewhere else. And I'm like, that's a great way to think about that. Like, <laughs> and I, and I, and those, and I think the process aspect of working with someone physically in the same space is, I, I love that part of it. You know, I got to see, I got to see your workflow and not only do you have a high, you had a higher production quality than I did at the time, probably still do. Um, but you were able to help me, you know, learn a little bit more about things that I just literally didn't care about ISO and, 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 uh, using my, uh, audio, uh, properly and, and such and like <laughs> yes. a, a bunch of stuff um and i still struggle with but those you don't go into it thinking like hey i'm i'm gonna go down and learn how to make my camera look better from brad you're like nah we're gonna go down we're gonna crush this build i'm gonna blow up a golf ball with a drill press and we're gonna get an awesome ig edit out of it and like and that's what you do and and on the other side of it like we sat down together and we we edited some stuff and you're like wow i never thought about dropping things in a timeline like that or like Oh, if I yep. just make this shortcut, do this, I can, you know, I can stitch this stuff together faster uh, or, and blah, blah, blah. And so we were able to like see each other's workflow. And there's so many complex aspects to, to what we do as content creators, as well as makers, that I think there's just so much to learn from being in the proximity of another person that's doing it on a high level um, that like you, you almost can't attribute enough to collaborations in that in that sense. Um, yeah. and, and I think you always get more than you think you will oh, yeah, for that, sure. from that stuff. And so one thing I like to do as far as collaboration goes is, is, um, and I do it a little bit more in my personal life than I do on my content channel. And, and I, and we're hoping to change that coming next year, but that's working with people outside of our, our vertical for, for those things. Right. You know, so I've got a couple, um, a couple people that I talk to specifically on Instagram, I've made relationships with that I hit up for for video, for photo, for food, for art, for pictures and like all kinds of stuff, trying to improve my, my, my stuff. And, and I mean, as I've said it for a long time, like, I'm always like, Hey, can I do anything for you? Like, I'd love to literally just learn from you. And, um, when you come with positive energy and, and you're looking for adding value to their experience before you're in one, something for yourself, it typically works out. And I, and I think that those are those are the most interesting relationships, right? Like when you go in, when you're talking to someone who's shooting like beautiful, just incredible micro buttery food shots, like a, uh, a Dennis the Prescott, and, and like I, and he answers a DM, and I'm like, oh my god, like your 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 cookbook is like, I just stare at it nightly and eat lettuce because I don't want to have a heart attack. But like, you look at someone that you admire like that, and then you think like, hey, is there anything we could do down the line and try to create an opportunity for collaborating? It might not necessarily be like you physically make a good for them because that's what you think of firsthand. It could be it could be just bouncing back and forth, you know, like uh, YouTube tactics and techniques like thumb thumbnailing, for instance, or like lighting or 
whatever. And and there's there's just so much opportunity in a collaboration to to gain and learn and help and and grow together. That it's definitely something you want to be considering if if you want to grow your channel or if you want or if you want to grow your business, like in in all senses of it. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that is a great example, John. And back to the product people, I think where a lot of people will probably be able to find some experience and uh, some actual help that they can give to a business is like most of these small businesses are still clueless about social media, yeah. right? And so they, they, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to shout you out, what's more beneficial to them is like, hey, uh, let's set up your Facebook page in a way that really gets you some more traffic, you know, and let's look at your Instagram and let me tell you like how this is and how this could be better because you're not, you know, you're doing videos, but every beginning of the screen is black. And so all your thumbnails are black, like little small stuff like that. Here's how to set up this. Here's how you can tag. Oh, by the way, do you know this thing called, you know, hashtags that you should be using and using local hashtags are, are great, which could help you get more exposure. All these things that, most companies, if they don't have somebody dedicated to being on social media, they're doing it off the side of their desk and and they're not doing the research, most of them. Uh, so in that aspect, even if you've got a thousand followers, you know, that they might have 12, right? And you might know a lot of the ins and the outs of how to technically do the, the social media things. So you don't have to have 50,000 or 100,000 followers to be beneficial to a company on how to actually execute social media. You know, you could say, oh, did you know that you can schedule posts through Facebook? Like this should save you a lot of time. You sit down once a week. They're like, oh my gosh, like you just blew my mind. Like there's all these little nuggets uh, that if you just think about, I mean, you know, that's we're kind of talking about on the daily uh, as far as or on the weekly, I guess on the show is any one of these shows, you could grab out a nugget from it and go talk to somebody who's never heard about social media and, you know, obviously never listen to our show and you're going to be adding a ton of value for them. Yeah, and, and that's a great way to to give something that you might that you think of as second nature that's not necessarily making a good. Yeah, and it, and I think you nailed it. And and it could be everything from videography and photography uh helping them improve even if it's shooting on a cell phone, something as basic as that to very deep rich tactical conversations on uh, growing a following, engaging a following, how to find uh, new uh, communities within a social platform to engage with to, to and try to build um, and, and strategy along those lines. Like I get Brad and I get all of those questions when 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 brands reach out to us that are smaller in and they're like uh, in the local area, at least for me personally, like that's what they're looking for. They don't really care for a shout out. They're not like, hey, can you just like drop a photo of us doing this? It's like, hey, dude. We've noticed you've grown in a very engaged following over the years, uh, and and we're and we very much admire it. Could you help us get to that point? And and that's helped me teach classes on Instagram. It's helped me teach classes on uh, social media. It's helped me understand myself and my own social media strategies a little better. Um, and and then put me in an opportunity to realize that our skill sets are are a little bit uh, wider than what they may seem on the surface. Like yes, I can make stuff, but I can also make stuff look good on the internet. And that's another valuable aspect to a collaboration. It could potentially be something that like you could go into uh, a small business in the area. And if you're looking to try and add value to their their brand, you know, just even helping them shoot better photography to put on their website or not even not even that. Like if you went in to somebody and like you have looked at their Instagram and say they're they're just getting started or, you know, or they've been around and you look at their feed and you're like, hmm, could use some help. 
Like you could legitimately like be like, hey, dude, are you like, are you running the social? Yeah, I, I'm running off the side. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Grab his phone or her phone. And if it's like look at a picture on their feed and then go, oh, hey, did you know that you can actually edit within Instagram? Like hit the Lux and, and pull it up, pull down the shadows, hit the highlights and take that same exact photo that they already posted and just show because like so many people have no clue about that. Like they don't know that you can manipulate a photo in Instagram and take a photo that they already posted, make it 20% better by doing just some small editing in there. And they'd be like, and they're like mine just melting on the floor. Yeah. And they're like, Oh my God. Like you, right. You've just made, you've helped make that person's feed better by showing them so simple and small. Like the amount of times that I've done that, like just when, when you have a dark photo showing somebody that you can use the shadows and then offset that with the Lux uh, setting there in Instagram and it just blows their mind and they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing, right? Because they, you know, they don't want to invest in lighting and get better photography. They want to, like most people run and gun, but at the same time, you can do a run and gun edit to make it that much better and to to make sure that you can have a something that just feels like it's a bit more professional and polished and that's a value that you can add to them very easily and it's going to go a long way, right? When you search, you show somebody like that, they're going to be like, holy cow. Like, first of all, you've gained immediate credibility because you've given them something they didn't have. You're leading with the give, you know, like John's always talking about. And what can I do for you? It's like, boom, all of a sudden you've immediately added value and they're going to be much more willing to, you know, add value back to you. And it's going to be a, a you know, collaborative effort then where you're both giving and it's going to be great for both of the businesses. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the whole point of this type, this part of the conversation is just get your brain wrapped around the fact that you have more skills potentially available for collaboration than just uh, making something or making a good. You know, you can come into it. You could bring production value. You can increase social media awareness. You might have design expertise or you might have some sort of rendering application that they could use. You could even have a relationship with an individual in your life that could bring more value in some way, shape or form to that relationship than you might have thought initially. And so uh, keep like the, I guess kind of in the back end of this conversation about collaborations is to keep an open mind when collaborating, right? You don't have to always go in. We do suggest going in with a plan in order to try and bring value to both parties, but you don't have to go into it and say like, Hey, I want to give you this for X, right? Make sure it's a work in progress. Make sure it's a progression of um, the relationship and it's not just one and done. What's difficult about YouTube collaborations is that you do have to actually like get something done and that it, you can't just like drag it on forever and continue to work on it and again and again and again. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, there is kind of putting that timestamp on it does force you to like make decisions quickly and, and get to an end result and then have sh- strategies to get there and focus on what you want to focus on. Um, and so. You know, I've I've looked at collaborations. I love collaborating. I love learning from other individuals. Um, and and there's so many skills that go into putting content on the internet and in growing a brand the way you and I do. Um, it's just been a very beneficial and positive, uh, sort of sort of thing that I've I've taken part of over the years. And I know you felt the same. Um, I wanted you to touch on you know, uh, the, your experience with DIY Pete. Uh, just because uh, that was a year and a half ago now or so. And like, uh, yeah, I was two, actually like two and a half years ago, man. That was a long time. And yeah. you hadn't done any concrete, right? Right. Pete was correct. like, I, Pete was like the boss of concrete. And I was like, yeah, yeah. It's because it was, you know, it was like Ben and Pete uh, are like, like the concrete Kings. And, and but for like more of the 
furniture style stuff, even though, you know, Glenn does a ton as, as well now. But uh, with the with that, yeah, I was like, hey, Pete was doing this like tour of the States and and we had, I don't even know how we hooked up, but we had hooked up. Uh, I think we both did. Uh, that was like one of my first things. We both did this like party station for Ryobi and uh, and that's how we had gotten hooked up. But um, he was coming around. I was like, yeah, dude, absolutely. Stop by and we'll make something. And I was like, let's do let's do something concrete because I want to learn. And he showed me, you know, how to, how to mix it and how to, he showed me this like facet stuff. And I was like, dude, this is super cool. And so, but it was the same type thing. Like we were kind of running and gunning a bit, but we did know at least like, Hey, we want to do something concrete. And then on his project, we did something walnut. So it was like, he hadn't worked with a ton of walnut and you know, a lot of his stuff was more DIY. Uh, he did a ton of cedar and I was like, Hey, I got a bunch of walnut. Let's do like a walnut lamp with a, and then he did a concrete base. So we worked together to make the design. It's like Jenga style craziness. Uh, and, and yeah, it was super fun. Uh, and it was a lot of learning. I learned the new skill set. Uh, you know, he was doing more of the teaching side for me because he was very well established and I was just getting started back then. Uh, so it was, you know, that, that was much more beneficial for me. And like I said, he was traveling around, so I was lucky enough to have him come to me. Uh, but you know, I would have gone out to him if, if we had have planned it the other way, I'd have been like, yeah, and actually I'm, I'm trying to get out there and go out and, yes. uh, hang out in Montana. My gosh, that's oh, beautiful his, out there. Uh, and he's been crushed. Oh dude, if you haven't seen his, his, the house he's been doing, it's, it's he's putting some new garage doors and like the cedar. I don't know if it's cedar, but the siding, the wooden side. Oh man, he's doing a, a bang up job out there. Uh, and so big shout out to Pete. He's awesome. Uh, but yeah, collapse. And so that's the thing. Another, like, I think one of the biggest things for me, John, like having, just having somebody out or going to somebody else's place is just that also that bond, right? It's like when, bonds and relationships are formed through physical experiences together. It's just what it is, right? Whether you're going on a trip together or you're building something together and it's just automatically going to, you know, <laughs> unless it completely blows up and y'all hate each other, but uh, let's just say it, you don't, it is plausible uh, that like, that's just going to deepen that relationship. And from then on, it's going to take on a whole nother thing. So the same thing, like now I just feel, you know, like, I feel like I know Pete so much better. And like, you know, you and I, when we actually physically had a chance to work together and hang out together, even at the Atlanta Woodworking Show, right? We didn't collab, but like just meeting, like physically meeting people in person, you know, doing life with them, making stuff with them, even just for a weekend or a few days. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just so highly recommend that. That's that's probably one of my favorite parts of collabing is just getting to hang out with new people and like really getting to know them. Yeah. And and. and- I kind of think that you, if you approach all of your collaborations and in, in however you take your business in that light, you could really gain a lot and you can also give a lot. And and it's not necessarily just in your physical skill set. It could be in just that relationship building and that growth together. And it's something that you and I both value and cherish since we've met, you know, three or so years ago now in person um, at that show. And now, you know, having this podcast and all the things we've done. Uh, behind the scenes and whatnot like that would never have happened if neither one of us had a collaborative mind that was looking to kind of grow and engage with each other and the community um, in order to get better in some context whether it was physical I mean because we we collaborate you'll call me and be like hey I, I got this this sketch what do you think about this angle or this this joint and blah blah and vice versa like I think I've sent you every thumbnail I've ever made for YouTube so like <laughs> you're you're, you got to look at a collaboration as something long-term, even if it is in a single transaction. Try and build on the relationship, not so much on just the the video or the project, um, because it'll definitely help stimulate creativity and help stimulate growth 
uh, both in you as a person and in in business as well. So uh, I think it's a good topic. It's super solid. Uh, something we've been we've been wheeling on for a minute. And as more inquiries come in and questions come in and on Patreon, we tend to like to throw those on show topics. So this one was a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys got something out of it. I think it was uh, I think it was quality convo. And if you're looking to do any collabs, you know, jump into our Facebook group at uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash maple profit tribe and let us know who your dream collaboration would be, whether it's you with someone else or seeing two other people collab. That'd be fun. I don't know. I'd be like, has Colin Furs and uh, Alec, have they done a collab? No. I'd love to see Colin and Bob, though. That would be like, cool. Colin has such like a crazy mechanical mind and Bob's very much like in the same realm. They could do some wild stuff. I More think. electronic. Yeah. yeah. Bob could bring the electronic. Like, you know how he made like the, 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 who's the Hulk size Iron Man suit Colin made? What's that called? Re- regardless, Bob can make it walk on its own. Like, that's what I would like. <laughs> right. Exactly. And have like it's all called, the like, electronics the Hulk built into it. Oh, I haven't, I don't think I've seen that. What? Yet. I'm sending um, it right now. Perfect. Yes. So get out there, figure out uh, some folks. And then, you know, that'll be our challenge to you guys is just, uh, reach out to somebody. If you've been looking, uh, go ahead and reach out. If you've been wanting to do that and, you know, take the plunge and, and spend the money to go take the flight or have the hotel or convince the other person to come to you. And, uh, I think you'll be better off for it in the end. So, uh, great show. And we will catch you guys on the next one. We're going to hang out with our patrons right now. All right, guys. Later.